You like the juice? You like I forgot. We just said we're going to do an intro and I fucking forgot what we're doing. Uh, we, you like the juice? We're recording like a it? podcast. And for the first time in a long time, I don't even know if I like this juice. We haven't watched anything yet. It's a mystery or, uh, so far. Welcome. I'm pretty sure I can guess I'm going to hate this fucking oh, juice. Oh, I, I can almost assure you that you will hate this. Welcome to Saturday Night Jive, where we talk about Saturday Night Live and Saturday Night Live related movies. And we're doing a new thing this week. Don't know if it's going to work out, but we're going to try it. I'm calling it Recurring Character Study. What do you think? I mean, that's as good as anything I had, which was nothing. Oh, okay. I, either, I was thinking either that or this again? Well, my only one was, um, uh, and we're back. Because, you know, they keep coming back. I like that. Yeah, okay, so... So this is just the introduction, the preamble, if you will. The title is less important than the thing we're actually right, doing. Right, because we're starting off with a doozy. What we're going to do, unless this doesn't work out, this might be the only time we do it. But what we're going to do is we're going to watch every appearance of a Saturday Night Live recurring character. And we're starting with a banger. It's Ching Chang. <laughs> well, you say Ching Chang, but you thought it might be Ching Change, which... I feel like, I'm just predicting here because I don't know, I've never seen any of these sketches. I thought I did, but I was actually thinking of the Mike Myers uh, horrible Asian stereotype character. I don't think he had a recurring one. I think he I had, swear to God they did that at least I twice. know he's done multiple Asian characters, but I don't think he had like a recurring, like Mike Myers never had a theme song where he was in <laughs> yellow face. But my point is, that's what I was thinking of. This is a Dana Carvey horrible racist Asian stereotype. But I'm thinking, did they did they make it Ching Change? So that it, like, his Ching Chang is obviously, like, that's just what a racist would call a Chinese person. Well, in my memory, I believe he was originally Ching Chang, and then they changed it to Ching Change. I think only to do a joke about that name. But uh, we're getting ahead of ourselves, because we have, what is it? We almost have an hour of racism and homophobia ahead of ourselves. And to be fair, yeah, we should also point out there are eight uh, Ching Chang sketches and two Lyle the effeminate heterosexual sketches, yeah. which is a different Dana Carvey recurring character. But we thought, when else are we going to fucking talk about Lyle the effeminate heterosexual? So we're going to actually be covering two classic, uh, wholesome, all-American Dana Carvey characters. Yeah, that's what I thought. If we If we like doing this... We'll pick, like, one SNL cast member and cover, like, two of their, like, worst <laughs> recurring characters. Well, my original suggestion was uh, to do the, the, the Jimmy Fallon IT character, Nick Burns, your company's computer guy, because we're both IT guys now, so I thought that'd be a fun kind of thing. Uh, and then you were like, no, let's talk about the racist fucking character. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, I, I don't know how many sketches there are of that guy, or if we'll have to find another fucking... Jimmy Fallon recurring bit to there's at least, fill it out. There's at least five Nick Burns sketches, but um, yeah, if we if we want to do that next time we do this, I think we do that uh, mixed with he had a shock jock character. You mean Howard Stern? Is he's a brilliant Howard Stern impression? It, it wasn't Howard Stern. It was more like a morning radio DJ guy, and he the joke was he would do all the different voices, but like. All the voices were racist. He'd be like, and now let's throw to the black weatherman. Hey, how's it going? And now let's throw to the Indian guy. Oh, hello. And so it was like, it, it was also racist. It's like, how fucking easy is it to just snap your fingers and go, here's another racist recurring <laughs> character. A character 
really the whole premise of it is that he's racist and they loved it enough to bring it back multiple times yeah and i mean we've covered a lot of snl blackface but <sighs> we're jumping straight into ching chang and can we just skip to goat boy nobody's offended by goat boy <laughs> i made a list or at least i went through the snl archives just looking for fun recurring characters if we decided we like doing this and goat boy was one of them i was like yeah we could watch every goat boy sketch Wait, that's on your list of fun recurring characters no. that me might like to watch? No, fun to talk about. You realize we have to watch them too, though. I know. And so what we're doing, at least what we're going to start doing in case we get halfway through this and realize it's a horrible idea. So I've seen all the Ching Changs just from watching SNL. Ben's never seen the Ching Changs. So we're going to watch them sketch by sketch as if we were like watching them in real time as they were coming out live. So we're going to watch a sketch... We're going to talk about it. We're going to watch the next Ching Chang. We're going to talk about it. And then I'm sure by the time we get seven in, we're like, we're just going to watch three Ching Changs in a row. We can't keep. And and I will challenge you uh, as the editor of this, because obviously the audience at home, they're not going to hear all, like, a, like a five minute sketch that we watch. Uh, so, But you're going to edit in something, I assume, as like, a, like an interstitial transition. Yeah, I'll put a clip in. Find the most racist thing in any given sketch ah, as the transition well, point for every sketch. Spoiler alert. Trying to find a part of a Ching Chang sketch that's not racist is going to prove more difficult. All right, so let's go ahead and get this started. Uh, yeah, with the first Ching Chang sketch. I'm, I didn't write down like what episodes of these. I guess the first one was the Sam Kinison yeah, episode. Yeah, I, meant to, the, I, the, the I meant to pull that up. Give me one second here. So we have eight appearances of Ching Chang. And the first one, we're going to take you back to November 15th, 1986, when a little character was brought on to television history. This is Pet Chicken Shop, Ugh. the sketch that introduced us to Ching Change. I... God. All right, let's do this shit. I'm sorry, I can't help you, but I told you before, chicken make lousy house pet. Okay, you guys, stop making a mess in here. Don't you look at me like that, Buster. You guys want to go to pop tomorrow, suggest you change your attitude. Okay, okay, okay. Oh, hey, welcome to Ching Chang's Chicken Pet Shop. You want to browse or you going to buy chicken? Oh, yeah, I want to buy a chicken for my wife. A chicken make lousy house pet. Hey, how about that one? Oh, that's a good riddance, good riddance. Oh, yeah, I want to get rid of that one. What do you mean? But this guy here, he not house trained. He go doo-doo in carpet. You rub his face in it. He like that. You know, you don't seem to want to sell any of these chickens. No, no. These are pet chicken store. I want to sell them. I want to sell them. All right, then you pick one out. Okay, dokie. He's a good one here. Fine, I'll take him. Okay, dokie. Whatever you say, but he not too smart. Oh, he's a dumb chicken? Yes, sir. He dumb chicken. You know, my grandmother, she can't see too well. She take this chicken for walk. He lead her under sewer grating. She live under Chinatown six years. She not even no different. She come up, say, basement clean now. Right. <laughs> and I'm paused it. <laughs> and and we're back. Recording. Holy fucking shit. Okay, for the interstitial where you tried to find the most racist thing, I assume you just played a four-minute straight audio of the entire sketch. <laughs> that was four and a half minutes of what the fuck was that? Jesus Ch fucking Christ. Chicken make a lousy house pet. 
chicken make I, I don't even I, now you got us doing it <laughs> um oh yeah. my god chicken where was this where was this character in the Master of Disguise? Why wasn't he help, <laughs> helping to stop Brent Spiner from taking over the world? <laughs> I got a you pistachio. Don't worry. I brought on my chicken. Okay. So, <laughs> I guess... Oh, my lord. Uh, and we got fucking seven more of these. Jesus oh, Christ. How do you... Th- this is another thing I was thinking as I was watching that sketch. I feel like when we came up with this idea, we didn't, like, figure out... Like, like so many of these sketches are just going to be the exact same fucking thing. Um, oh, I, I'm sure they were. But what the fuck was that? Okay, so Dana Carvey's playing Ching Chang. He runs a pet chicken shop. And John Lovitz comes in looking for a chicken. Ching Chang shows him three different chickens, and uh, but he's telling them uh, bad things about him. So one chicken's slow, one chicken thinks he's a dog, one chicken's dumb. So he's like trying to talk John Lovitz out of buying the chickens, I guess because he, he's... Uh, fond of the chickens and doesn't want to sell them? Well, that's the closest thing we get to a twist at the end of the sketch, which is, like, I didn't want to sell him, and he starts singing a song. I've grown accustomed to his beak. But it doesn't, like, one doesn't really connect that well to the other, and it just seems like... I mean, I am almost certain that this was based on, like, a, a guy who worked at a bodega or something that Dana Carvey went to in between working at SNL and went... That let's do that on the show. Yeah, maybe he went to a pet store and there was a Chinese guy, and he's like, "That would be funny." <laughs> but it makes like it's it's almost like a character study. It's ba- it's not really a sketch because there's no real jokes or punchline. I guess the punchline is that you find out that Ching Chang doesn't want to sell any of the chickens. Well, that's the thing that I was waiting for. Again, this is that come up so many times with these early sketches. And maybe it's my nostalgia. Maybe I feel like the era that I grew up with, which was pretty much right after this, like kind of the, you know, the prime of the 90s, I feel like they were better at like having a turn where it's like, oh, here's why this is a sketch that justifies itself beyond just like a funny voice. Like there was going to be like a moment where, oh, it's not just a guy who doesn't want to sell his chickens. He's fucking his chickens or whatever the fuck it is. I don't like, there's got to be something to make it a premise. There's no premise here other than, Asian people talk funny. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the joke, and which what, which is what makes this sketch like abhorrent, is that it seems like the main joke is just Dana Carvey wants to do a Ching Chang voice. Yeah, he uh, I, it's something he did in the room, and everybody laughed, and they said, "Let's find something to do with that." And what he found was just doing that. Okay, but so I guess we're going to get into this once we follow this character along his. 20 year journey on SNL. But Can I Oh sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say so Ching Chang, he definitely owns the chicken shop cuz on the sign it said Ching Chang's Pet Chicken Shop. So this is a guy who owns a business of selling pet chickens. But I guess he makes no money at it because he refuses to sell any of his pet chickens. Why not make another store? Why not start selling cats? Well, do you think is that no, that can't be the... Well, because here's what I was thinking. Because you, you mentioned that they changed the name at some point to Ching Change, and you seem to remember vaguely that it might have been re- relative to a, a joke. Uh, and I'm wondering, is it going to be self-aware enough where like somebody points out, like, Ching Chang, that's a racist stereotype. And he goes, no, it's Ching Change. Or is I, that not the case? I think there's one sketch that, where they get into that a little bit. But no, I don't... I think the joke... Well, I think we'll get into it, but I know I know his sister is named Loose Change. 
Okay, well, that makes more sense, that that's the joke, and it's dumb and bad, because that's what this show is, dumb and bad, yeah. than what I was thinking, where it might actually have some kind of intelligence to it. No, I think they changed the name just so they could have the joke of his sister being loose change. Um, but, I mean, I was laughing this whole sketch, for the wrong reasons. Oh, fuck yeah. No, it's it's hilarious, because you think of, like... Well, it's 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 actually the utter lack of self-awareness that is hilarious to me. The fact that Dana Carvey's in the yellow face doing this voice, doing this character, and at no point is questioning, like, yeah, this is fucking gold. Yeah, I, I think everybody thought this was cool. They'd be like, oh, yeah, that's cool. But why they brought it back, I have no idea. But I did enjoy the line when he was saying... He, uh, he was trying to talk John Lovitz out of buying a particular chicken. And he said, no, this chicken isn't house trained. He go doo-doo on the carpet. You rub his face in it. He liked that. Yeah, because I, mean, I think that's like a dog stereotype. Like, you know, but yeah, I just, I don't, I don't know. So much of this was just so oppressive that I couldn't, like, I was laughing out of awkwardness. Oh, yeah. But like, I didn't, like, I didn't notice the audience really getting that into it. Like, to think that, like, this went over well. Because I always wonder about that, too. Like, prior to the internet, how they thought, like, okay, what sketches went over well that we're going to bring back? I would assume it would just be audience reaction. This didn't seem like... Like, the church lady, they all use applaud and love it. Like, I understand why they brought that back. I don't understand why they bring this back. Yeah, I don't know either. And, I mean, I think there's a reason why you don't hear about Ching Chang much anymore. (laughs) Yeah, I think there's a definite reason for that. But in the 80s, man... (laughs) I think we just barely missed a Ching Chang movie. Well, that's... Okay, well, funny you should mention that. I was going to pitch that as a thing we do after this to actually pitch the Ching Chang movie. Oh, okay. I guess we'll have to follow his. Well, I remember the final appearance of Ching Chang. I believe they pretty much close out his story arc, but... All right, so anything else about the Sam Kinison? No. The first appearance of Ching Chang. All right, so now we are going to January 31st, 1987 with host... Paul Schaefer. And this is not, this is interesting because this is not a Ching Chang sketch. This is actually a Sweeney Sisters sketch with a cameo appearance from Ching Chang. Well, just the fact that Paul Schaefer hosted SNL is insane to me. Well, Paul Schaefer is a SNL alumnus. He was in a, a cast member on season five and he was the, one of the original band leaders. Was he in, I know he was a band leader. Was he actually officially in the cast? Yes, when season five, when John Belushi and Dan Aykroyd left, they brought in a bunch of like uh, of the writers and stuff to. Uh, so that's where Brian Doyle Murray showed up. Jim Downey was a cast member. Alan Zwebel, Al Franken, and Tom Davis were officially on the cast. So and then, yeah, Paul so Schaefer was. Not so much that he was a cast member; it was that anybody could have been a cast member. Yeah. Who's in the office this week? You're a fucking cast member on us. I think that's what it was. Cause yeah, they were just like grasping at straws. They're like, eh, throw this guy on there. He, he made me laugh yesterday when he was pitching a sketch. Paul hey, shine boy. You got a good face on you. <laughs> you. You made it to the big league shiny. All right. Let's start right. this fucking piece of shit. So here we go. <laughs> Appearance number two of Ching Chang. Time to give away another rabbit. So, <laughs> Your ticket if you haven't won yet. Lucky number. Lucky number. Number, uh, number 14. Number 14. 14. Oh, Ching Chang, you win. Ching Chang win. This is Ching Chang from. 
pet chicken shop on Mott Street. Oh, yeah. Oh, I can't believe it. This is so cool. It's crazy. Oh, chicken business, Ching Chang. Oh, business so good. You know, nobody wants to buy chicken because chicken make lots of hairs. Okay. And we're back. Um, and we're back. Um, oh my I, I will. Okay. I will say right off the bat, I'm enjoying the way we're doing this because uh, it's hot up in my new place where I record this podcast now. And uh, in between, when we're not on mic, I get to turn this fan on. So See, I'm my already fan loving. Is far this. away from me, I can't turn it on. between, yeah, that's that doesn't work for me. Uh, you know what else didn't work for me? Any of this shit. <laughs> This is fucking crazy. Okay, I'm going to say this right now. No, no, no. First, before we say this, we've just established this is a new series on this podcast. We're never doing the Sweeney Sisters. I will fucking quit this podcast before we do the goddamn Sweeney Sisters. Sweeney Sisters, there is no through line of the Sweeney Sisters. It's just medleys. I, I I mean, I like the Sweeney Sisters only because I think Jan Hooks is an attractive lady, but that's it. That this was somehow more offensive to me than Ching Chang. This is so because we start with Ching Chang, and then they're like, "No, no, 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 no! It's not a Ching Chang sketch. We'll bring the Sweeney Sisters out." Paul Schaefer is running a Chinese restaurant, so he gets in the act in the yellow face act. He's giving away rabbits. Ching Chang comes in. He make, tries to make a chicken do a trick, and then it's just the fucking Sweeney Sisters doing a medley of Chinese songs. And I don't—I literally forgot who the Sweeney Sisters were before this sketch came up. I, I'm sure I've seen them before, but this is all it ever ever is, right? Yeah, they just show up and do a medley, and it's basically the same joke as the Bill Murray Lounge Singer yeah. sketch. It was this era's answer to Nick the Lounge Singer. And that sucked too, by the way, just in case you were holding on to your nostalgia about how great Bill Murray was. <laughs> Fuck that sketch. It's, I mean, it's less funny and more just performance based, I think, which, you know, doesn't always work. And, in, and, you know, it depends. There's a couple Sweeney Sister sketches where I can say, like, I enjoyed that. Well, it is kind of funny. I don't know. Have you ever seen um, I Want to Be Ninja? No. It's a famous, like, YouTube viral video of this uh, really, really white woman who's at, uh, I don't know what the context is, but she's at some kind of, like, country club, and she's singing this song, which I've never heard before. I don't know if she wrote it and, like, produced it, but she sings it as, like, this part of this performance, and it's, like, the most, like, cluelessly racist thing you'll ever fucking see. She's this white lady singing, I want to be ninja, and that's what this reminded me of. <laughs> and it's just, like... It's worse than the the, the, the Chinese stereotypes because it's also just like it's a it's so forceful and offensive and how unfunny it is. Yeah, and it's it, well, this they're not the Sweeney sisters aren't always racially offensive, but they're always like they'll they'll show up at like a Christmas party and they'll do a Christmas medley or they'll sing songs that have like turkey in them for a Thanksgiving medley. But this medley, they're like. Uh, I can't even remember any of the songs now. They all just left my brain, but a lot of them have egg rolls in them. Oh, they, <laughs> they end with, We are Siamese, if you please. But it's the thing, kind of thing where, like, I, I think if you do this sketch two or three times, and then you do it at a funeral, and then you do it at, like, the, the uh, coronation of a dictator... You know, and then you do it like increasingly horrible places, and that's the joke. But then you'd have to rely on the audience to remember that was the, there was a setup to it. Right. I think that's what. Remember the Will Ferrell and uh, Anna Gasteyer characters who would come out and sing songs. 
Yeah, but I don't think they did that. I think they, I think this that was basically the same thing, just th- that generation's version of it. Yeah, I, they started out like that though, because I remember like one of their first appearances, they were at an AA meeting and they were singing songs like "White Lines" and like "Pass Me a Beer." Like they were singing purposefully inappropriate songs. Yeah, see that at least makes sense. That's a bit. That is a premise that you can hang jokes off of. There is none of that here. Once again, it's just. Funny Asian guy, and I say funny in quotes, I don't think it's fucking funny, but they assume people will think it's funny, and then shitty lounge act. Yeah, and did you notice Paul Schaefer, like, pretty much dropped the accent halfway through? Like, I was wondering if he was just, like, got halfway through, and he's like, oh, shit, like, this is gonna be on my fucking resume. Like, I gotta, like, tone down the the, the flied lice, you know? Well, that's, that's what I was kind of wondering... Because, like, at one point, it's it's him and Dana Carvey playing off each other. And I wonder where the impetus of that came from. Was it... Because that's the thing. This is the, the second appearance of Ching Chang. Did it happen because Dana Carvey had this in his wheelhouse and they were like, hey, remember that Ching Chang sketch? That'd be funny to bring this in here. Did they already have a Chinese New Year lounge act sketch and then they decided to put Ching Chang in? Or did they have a Ching Chang Chinese New Year sketch, they didn't know how to end it, so they were like, well, let's bring in the Lounge Sisters or whatever the fuck. Yeah, I don't know. That, this is interesting. We don't see a lot of recurring character crossover in uh, SNL history. But yeah, I have no idea how, where, what, what was the chicken and what was the egg. Or was it Paul Literally. Schaefer going, hey, I think I do a funny Mr. Yuniyoshi. What if? How can we incorporate that into SNL? And then Dana Carvey went, I know. <laughs> Cha-ching, ching. Oh, this is just, yeah. Oh, I didn't point out in the last sketch. It's, it carried over to this one. Uh, it is interesting that they're using real live animals in these sketches. Yeah, I was really hoping that chicken would take a shit on the table. Uh, well, or just peck someone's eyes out. Like, like it's really offended by Dana Carvey's <laughs> impression, and it just fucking kills him. Yeah, the only other thing I took note of in this was... <laughs> so, the, the scene takes place in a Chinese restaurant. And it's filled with extras who are all of Asian descent. Yes. What the fuck? Like, so you're getting paid as like an extra and you're like, oh, hey, hey, honey, I got a job tonight. I'm going to be down at Rockefeller Center. Uh, They want me in a Saturday Night Live sketch. And then you sit down there. You know, you probably don't get a script ahead of time if you're an extra. Someone's just like, oh, sit at the table. And, you know, when they tell you to clap, clap when they're singing, pretend you like the song. Do you think they were, like, prepared? Well, I guess there was dress rehearsal, but do you think they showed up on set and they're like, what the fuck? Yeah. and well, Or they were like, you know, this is so relatable. This guy's just like my brother or my uncle. <laughs> no, oh, This is not. a great sketch. Um, yeah. They must have some Asian writers working on the show now because they really nailed the culture. But, and just the fact that, like, when I was just thinking of the animals, though, like, they had to get an animal wrangler in for the sketch. Oh, probably, most assuredly. Like, they had to pay somebody to just be like, hey, make sure that chicken stays there. Yeah, so much product production that goes into this. For for what? <laughs> just all to offend for, Asian people. All for naught. Alright, so, uh... <laughs> now we are going... We're jumping a forward almost... Oh no, just a month? <laughs> a month after that sketch. This one from February 28th. 1987, the episode's hosted by Valerie Bertinelli. Ugh, all right. <laughs> you ready for this? I'm sure. Bye, bye, bye. What happened, Jane? He looks like he's gonna bite. 
Oh no, he he changed his mind. Yeah, yeah, he no want to buy now. Yeah, uh, that that's the ticket. Oh <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he changed mine, or you changed mine for him? No. What do you mean, Lord? I tried to sell chicken. You know why you haven't sold chicken in six months? All you do is sing poon all day long, all day long, my fair lady. You know I don't think you want to sell the chicken. No, no, that's not true. No, I think you love the chicken. You you treat chicken like family. You treat family like chicken. No, no. You crazy. No, you crazy, no. man. You've been listening too much Bon Jovi. No, 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 no. You crazy. You know what your problem is? You need woman. You need to get yourself a girlfriend. I got no money for girls. Because you know some chicken. Oh, <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah. Use phone anytime. Call anywhere. Free. Holy Toledo. I think I am low. Thank you very much, Mr. Uh, Chang. Uh, Ching Chang. <laughs> oh, what? You think my name is funny? Oh, no, I'm sorry. Uh, that, that's okay. My name is kind of funny. <laughs> you know, my father named No Change because he set him way. Uh, my little brother named Small Change because he a little guy. <laughs> My sister named Loose Change because she let anybody kiss her. <laughs> and we're back. Oh, why are we back? Why are we doing this? <laughs> What's any of this for? Uh, so, you know what I was missing in the in the first two appearances of Ching Chang? I really wanted to see him get a fucking boner. Yeah, no, I was thinking about that when he was in the Chinese restaurant. Like, what if you fucked Valerie Bardelli? <laughs> so, in this appearance of Ching Chang, first off... We, we've gotten to the point of recognition applause with this character because when he says chicken make a lousy house pet in this uh, sketch, the crowd goes bananas. They are loving this. And the thing, the the, the weird, I was going to say the tragedy of this, but it's really the insidiousness of this recurring sketch is each one brings in like somebody new, like, like, like not because now Laura Dunn has some yellow face on her record. <laughs> Yes, Nora Dunn, uh, we are introduced to Ching Chang's sister, Loose Change. Well, I guess he's still saying Chang, right? That's The the, the name change, such as it is, makes no sense, because he's Chang, but then the joke is change, and I guess it's just going to be change from now on, or maybe it's still, maybe it's both, maybe it's neither, maybe it makes no fucking sense, because this is a shitty fucking recurring sketch. It's true, I, I but I could have sworn he said his name was Ching Chang, um, and also... We get another kind of recurring character crossover because when Ching Chang lies, he says, "Oh yeah, that's the ticket." Yeah, but and but just like I'm thinking, like like when Jimmy Fallon played Chris Rock and did blackface, they didn't like come back and like, "Hey, Colin Quinn, you you want to play Cedric the Entertainer with me?" Like <laughs> it's just it's kind of fucked up. Yeah, uh, that that had to have been a weird conversation where <laughs> it's like, "Hey, Nora." Uh, come over here. I wrote you in a sketch that I'm going to do this week. Oh, what do I have to do? Well, you know my Ching Chang character? Yeah? What if he had a sister? Because it doesn't add anything to the sketch. It's not funny. It's just a little introduction beat and just starts... I was going to say starts everything on a sour note. As if this was going to rise right. to the level of, you know, good. Well, <sighs> Ching Chang uh, falls in love with Valerie Bertinelli. Val Bertinelli, uh, most famous from uh, Kids Baking Championship, which I watch and I suggest everyone else does. One of my favorite shows. I don't know. What was she on in at this point? She was on a sitcom, right? <clears throat> yeah. Like Eight is Enough or some shit? I don't even know what it was. But Was it Eight is Enough? No, it was the one where... Was it The Facts of Life? 
No. Make room for daddy? What the fuck was, was she the, on? Was it the Tony Danza one? One day at a time. Oh, was that okay. it? Maybe. I don't fucking know. I, I, I barely know who Valerie Bertinelli is. Now I know her most famously from that shitty Ching Chang sketch I just watched. Right. Oh, I know Valerie Bertinelli. She was on Ching Chang. She was on the Ching Chang show, right? Ching Chang falls in love. And this is weird because I guess we're... So we're setting up a love interest for Ching Chang, but we know Valerie Bertinelli's not going to be in the next sketch. So where's this going to go? See, but I like that you're you're clinging to the mythology of this as if these are, like, not just recurring sketches, but episodic. Like, we're, we're learning more about his life. Like, you would assume the next time they would ask Valerie Bertinelli to guest star as now, like, now his wife. Yeah, or maybe he just makes passing reference, like, oh, yeah, that lady I met the, the last sketch, she didn't work out. Well, that was weird, because they did reference uh, the previous sketch, I think, in a kind of a direct capacity. Oh, no, that when, when she says, like, all you do is sing My Fair Lady. But, like, you would have to know that that happened in the previous sketch to get what she was referencing. Right. It seems ridiculous that they would expect the audience to remember that like remember that one-off sketch from the sam kinnison episode six months ago yeah wait okay six so these have all been in the same season so far right uh yeah we're still in season 12 is that the case for all of these other than the the last one um i don't think so uh let's see so yeah season 12 season 12 season 12 and then okay so the last the next one we're gonna do is season 12 the one after that is season 13 okay so this carried over yeah. For multiple fucking years. Holy shit. <laughs> yep. <sighs> Eight appearances of Ching Chang. I think, was there anything else I wanted to talk Oh, yeah. And so we do get, it ends with him singing um, Bring Me to the Church on Time. But I don't know what musical that's from. But we are keeping in line with Ching Chang Loves Musical Theater, which is going to be a through line of his character, if I remember correctly. Which, okay, fine, I guess. Except what does that have to do with a guy who's reluctant to sell his chickens. Yeah, it's just a little flavor, you know? But I want... Every character needs a little flavor. I want cohesion. Again, <laughs> I want a premise that reveals itself and is executed well, and then, like, we understand why... Like, everything has to matter. And here it's just like a hodgepodge of, Oh, I wanted to play Ching Chang because I hate Asian people, but I also wanted to sing some show tunes. Like, that, that doesn't make any fucking sense. I mean, if you were to tell me that Dana Carvey was like, hey, I like two things, show tunes and offensive racist accents, and we're, we put them together, we marry them beautifully, I would believe that that was the inspiration for Ching Chang. I mean, it's as good an explanation as anything else, because why the fuck would you think this was okay? I do not know, and why are we bringing it back yet a fourth time? <laughs> Flash forward to May 9th, 1987. Hosted by Mark Harmon. This is four of eight, by the way. We're halfway through this shit. We are halfway through Ching Chang's lifespan now. Uh, let's go to appearance number four. You ready? Uh-huh. And here we go. Okay, okay. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. Bye-bye now. Okay. Oh, look like my sister got a hot date tonight. You mind your own business, Ching. Have you finished studying your microbioquantum chemical physics yet? No, study no cool. Study when I'm with pocket fisherman. No study, but lose you last hope for our family. I no study. I no, 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 no study. Oh, no study. Lose, I worry about you. You know, you're metamorphosizing into some kind of floozy. 
You know who you're going out with tonight, Quang Wa? No. Wa Ling? No. Chi Ting? No. Quang Sa? No. Cough it up, I don't got all my life here. Okay, mister, I gotta know everybody else's business. I go out with Wang Wu. Who are? No, I see him next week. Who? Next week. What? Next week. Oh, forget that. Jesus Christ. Okay, we're back. <laughs> yeah, we're back. And every time, it's seeming like a, a worse and worse idea to have done this. What the fuck, man? All right. So, first off, I I got some questions about the character now. So, I guess we have fully established that Ching Chang, or at least Ching Chang's family, runs this pet chicken shop. Yes. Because Loose Chang it takes money out of the drawer, like, freely. And then uh, Ching Chang is like, are you studying your quantum physics or whatever because you're this family's last hope. Ching Chang, sell some fucking chickens in this chicken shop. Well, but she's not studying, George. She's dating Asian Mark Harmon. (laughs) (laughs) And his gang of the Golden Dragons featuring Asian John Lovitz and Asian Kevin Nealon. Oh, man, yeah. And then, what the... This makes, like... No fucking sense. They come in like they're West Side Story, but they're a Chinese gang. Uh, and then there's a big karate fight <laughs> where Ching Chang pulls out Kevin Nealon's heart. But then he's okay. He gets back up. And, well, before, we, we don't even, before we even get to that, hey, I was thinking, like, you know the classic who's on first bit? Yeah. You, no know, what would, you know what would make that better? If it was all about, like, stereotypical Asian names? I know that was fucking ridiculous she's like I'm going out with Wang Wu who no I'm going out with him tomorrow who Thursday oh my god it's getting it just gets a more and a more racist doesn't it well just the fact that like I don't know maybe it's just me I feel like Mark Harmon is like the whitest man alive oh yeah and he was not committing I mean good on him for not going full Mr. Yuniyoshi See, you say that. Good on him. No, bad on him for not nixing this sketch at uh, at uh, the read-through. That's true. I mean, yeah, when you hear things like, oh, yeah, the host is, you know, helps pick the sketches with Lorne. Like, he's in the office with the head writers going, yeah, which to do. Yeah, if I was the host, I'd be like, hey, uh, maybe save that ching-chang shit for next week when there's somebody else who doesn't want their career ruined hosting. Yeah, I just. And that, that NCIS show has been on for like 20 years now, right? Yeah. I feel like we just got to bring this on YouTube, get it to a viral, and that shit's gone. Or maybe it gets more popular. Man, we hate audience, I guess, yeah. He brings Wang Wu to NCIS. They do a whole arc where he has like a split personality of, a, of an Asian gangster. There's only one guy who can solve this crime. My Asian brother, Wang Wu. My, my Asian twin brother. <laughs> it's a long story. We were switched at birth... Uh, across continents. Oh, I mean, and it's it's kind of I'm conflicted because I want to say this is the worst one of these so far, but like the karate fight, like the ripping the the spleen out or whatever, or I guess it's yeah. supposed to be a heart. Like that would have been funny in another context if I wasn't so offended by the racism. Yeah, it came too late. Like, yeah, Wang Wu comes in, and then they they are going to steal one of their uh, his chickens to eat. And that makes Ching Chang goes berserk, so he starts a karate fight with him. You know, and it's poorly choreographed, which I think is the joke. I think it's supposed to be like a bad kung fu fight, but yeah, it's just it completely misses the mark. And the audience isn't as lively as they were in the Valerie Bertinelli 
one for no. this one. And did you? Well, you had. I was going to ask if you noticed. Of course, you noticed when Mark Harmon was just standing in the doorway, smiling creepily. <laughs> as yeah. Everything was happening. He was. He, we do get a camera cut where I guess Mark Harmon is waiting for his cue outside. And he just, I guess, and this is where, like, you say good on him. No, he must have, like, loved this idea because he is smiling his ass off. Like, this is going really well, right? I feel like my Asian accent really just, like, hooked the crowd. Well, I don't know if he's smiling because he's having a good old time or if that's part of his Asian character. Like, because he's wearing sunglasses, so he doesn't have the squinty eyes. But I'm thinking maybe the if he's like, oh, yeah, the smile will make me look more Asian. So you're saying it's a, he's a method actor. He's staying so. in character as one you for the entire sketch. Oh, yeah, exactly. Even when Mark Harmon's off in the wings, if you talk to him, you'd be like, five seconds to your entrance, Mark Harmon. He'd be like, who? I'm Wang Wu right now. <laughs> he's sending his fellow cast members used condoms because that's what one you would do. <laughs> is that all method acting is? I'm pretty sure it's, it's yeah, you stay in character, you make people call you Lincoln, and you send used condoms and bullets to people. It was Daniel Day-Lewis doing that? Yeah. On the set of Lincoln? Well, because that's, that's what Lincoln did when he was in the White House. He would send his used condoms. I think they were sheepskin at that at that era, but yeah. So that ends the season 12 arc of Ching Chang. But now we're into season 13. November 21st, 1987. Ooh, the Thanksgiving episode. I wonder if he's going to bring a turkey into his chicken shop. King, why are you talking to this chicken again? Don't you got nothing better to do? Well, we have a man talk loose. Don't meddle in things you could never understand. Oh, I don't give a hoot anyway. I'm going on a date. Oh, that figure. Look at that mini skirt. Well, I can see all the way to Peking. <laughs> at least I look like a hip, normal American. You stay here all day cooked up in your chicken. You should be more like my date. He's an articulate Chinese man. He can talk on any subject. Oh, I don't need clever conversation. I never want to work that hard. Oh, listen to you the way you talk. You an insulting caricature. I'm not insulting. Oh, yes, you are. You are damaging stereotype. You embarrassment to the entire Chinese community. Oh, that is so much crap in so little time. Hi, everybody. What's the good word? NBC is proud to introduce Matthew Chen, positive ethnic role model. Good fucking lord. <laughs> and we're back. That one fucking broke my brain. And by the end of it, I was just like, I got Stockholm laughter. What oh. the shit, man? All right, that made no fucking sense. Um, what the fuck? Okay, so first off... Ching Chang starts off with his catchphrase, which we all know by this point. Chicken make a lousy house pet. Nothing from the crowd. That, well, okay. Well, one, we, keep in mind, this is the first of a new season. They might not remember the last season. That's true. It's been a long summer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, oh, I remember, I keep talking about, like, oh, is any are any of these going to be self-aware? This is the one that was self-aware about the racism, and I think it made it worse. They handled it way poorly like so phil hartman comes in he's now loose chang's boyfriend he's matthew chen a positive ethnic role model and then we get three people in yellow face basically talking about how the offensive caricatures that they're playing are racist and can i just ask because when we say yellow face as a blanket term for a white person playing an asian person but i don't think there's actually like yellow makeup on dana carvey or nora dunn i think they're they actually put 
like Asian makeup like to tone Phil Hartman's face. Yeah, I think so. Like, well, I, I think Nora Dunn's wearing a, is squinting her eyes a little bit at least. No, I, you know they're definitely like affecting mannerisms of the stereotype. But I think that's this is the first time so far that they've actually like like put like a coat on their face to make them look more Asian. Yeah, but it, it, so what, what? What were they trying to do here? I, I don't understand any of this really. Well, I I would almost say if I had to guess, and I don't, I can't imagine this is even right, but. Maybe they got some criticism at some point, maybe network criticism or censor or something, or like the Asian American Anti Defamation League, like that, like like that saying all the things this sketch is saying, and this is them making fun of that, like the idea that it's the official NBC positive Asian stereotype, like they have like a little Chiron with it, like I feel like this has got to be like they got a letter and this is their response to that. Yeah, and they're like, oh, well, fuck you. We're going to keep doing Ching Chang, but we're going to make fun of you for being offended by Ching Chang. Yeah, we're going to, like, act like we're 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 doing a good thing. Like, we're going to have Candace Bergen come in and defend and excuse all of this, even though, like, I feel like she's got to be dying inside saying, like, you're not that much of a stereotype. Yeah, she does not look into this at all when she comes in and I, I guess is... Ching Chang has moved on from Valerie Bertinelli by this point, because now he's all about Candace Bergen. Or he and just falls he in love with every woman that comes in his store. Yeah, maybe that's true. But yeah, he tries to adopt the mannerisms of Phil Hartman's character, who is like, uh, you know, an Asian man who graduated from Yale Law School, and he's trying to be a positive role model in the Asian community. But again, it's all fucking white people doing this, so I don't know what the fuck they're trying to accomplish in this. Maybe I can be less of stereotype. Holy Toledo, the time is now. Excuse me, I seem to be a little bit lost. Can you tell me where Canal Street is? Oh, yeah, that's about two blocks. <clears throat> that, that's about two blocks away. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. Say, what do you think of this Bork fiasco? Bork, sorry? Bork fiasco. Oh, oh Bork, oh, I... I don't like Burke, no. No, he, he's the core of the economic Asians. I like to hit the links. It was a good read. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't understand. Oh, after all, being an independent realtor in, in a white world can be my grandpa Lock Wing was a poet. <laughs> Excuse me. I don't actually know you, but are you okay? Oh, I knew, I knew, I knew I couldn't pull it off. You got me. What were you trying to pull off? Oh, my sister say I'm not realistic like this other guy. She say I sound like cartoons. She right. Well, gee, I don't think you're like a cartoon. Really? No, I think you're sweet. But well, I mean, you are a fairly broad caricature, but nothing beyond the realm of possibility. Oh, thank you, Foxy Golden Lady. Well, it's true. Oh, now I feel like song. I am what I am. That's all I am. Guy who likes chicken. Like John Updike. I just like All right, so 
Okay, now I think the next two Ching Chang sketches we can watch um, back to back because that is the official final Ching Chang sketch of Dana Carvey's tenure as a cast member. He, he brings it back when he hosts in 2000. But the next two sketches are kind of like the Sweeney Sisters. It's other sketches with a Ching Chang cameo. So I think we can lump those both together. From January 30th, 1988, the Carl Weathers episode. And November 10th, 1990, the Jimmy Smiths episode. <laughs> We're going to watch See, a Master Thespian sketch and a sketch called Manhattan Mobile Home Park. And this is the benefit of it, doing it this way. Because, like, we were never going to watch the Carl Weathers episode or the Jimmy Smiths episode. But we get a no. little you know, snippet of it. Yeah, I like this better because, you know, watching an episode of SNL... Half of it's going to suck. Maybe a couple sketches are interesting. Maybe the sucky sketches are interesting, depending on who the host is. But yeah, there's there's no reason to watch the Candace Bergen episode from season 13. But we can watch Ching Chang. We can always watch Ching Chang. <laughs> All right. So back to back Ching Chang's coming up. Here we go. <laughs> now, the second thing to remember is you must be yourself. But I am playing the more. And the more you play, the better you feel. Beans, beans for every meal. I must eat beans? And be yourself. Aha! Thespian, I think I see what you mean. But give me a moment. Testimona, wake up! It is your husband, Otero Tamor, better known as great Chinese actor Chen Wong! <laughs> On second thought. That fucking lies. That's not Ching Chang. It's a completely different name. Alright. And, and we're back. SNL Archives, you are not correct. Ching yeah. Chang is not in the Master Thespian sketch. He is playing Chin Wong. A different Asian stereotype? I mean... How dare you? He's playing it in exactly the same way, of course, but, yeah, no, that's... Also, that sketch sucked. But... That's, it's, but it's not Ching Chang canonical, so let's move on from the Carl Weathers episode. Fuck that. Except, I did have one question. Master Thespian at one point says, Line? And then Carl Weathers feeds him a line, but not from, like, the show they're rehearsing from real life, so what the fuck was that about? I was wondering if that was a recurring thing. Like, that's a joke that's in other sketches. That Like a, well, like a meta joke of he gets a line from another actor in the sketch. Yeah, he always calls line, but I don't think he calls line in, like, in, in a real-life scenario. Like, because what line is he calling for? What I'm thinking of next? Well, he's calling for the next line in the sketch. Oh, so that's, so that's Master Thespian, or is it John Lovitz calling for line? Well, it's Master Thespian, but it's a meta thing where it's like he's, he's asking for his next line as the character in the sketch. That's what okay. I took from it. Uh, it doesn't make any sense. But anyway, Carl Weathers is playing a 70-year-old Chinese man who got cast as Othello. Master Thespian doesn't want him showing him up because he's playing Iago, so he tricks him to take off the blackface that he's wearing. And go back to being the, the Chinese man. And that's when Dana Carvey comes out. Not only as a Chinese man, but also wearing an Afro wig. Yeah, it, this is so, so it's fucking It's like a weird. twofer. It's a twofer of racism. I'm committing to, if we ever do Master Thespian, which I feel like that's rightful to do, we skip this one. Oh, yeah. 
<laughs> I think so. We don't have to talk about this one ever again. And so now we move on to November 10th, 1990, an episode hosted by Jimmy Smits from season 16. So we're jumping uh, far ahead into the future. That was season 13. We're now in season 16, where Ching Chang makes a cameo. Where no one, well, this is, I'm almost certain now at this point that this is going to be another bullshit fake out. Um, I be- I'm pretty sure, I'm almost positive he is actually Ching Chang in this one. All right. Well, we'll see. Well, we but just see. the idea that it happens so far after it just seems like that's got to be something maybe, else. Maybe SNL Archives is trying to throw some bullshit our way again. Because, yeah, he was definitely not Ching Chang in the Master Thespian sketch. But hopefully, hopefully we get some Ching Chang in Manhattan Mobile Park from the Jimmy Smiths episode. Come in. It's open. Okay. Okie dokie. All right. Empire says you want delivery. <laughs> Come on in, come on in, come no, on. No, I'm not coming. You come right up here. I climb up already. Besides, I have to look at the bicycle. All right, all right. You no, stay no. away. I hope you brought everything this time. Okay. You, got, you got the pancakes with mushu pork, right? Yeah, yeah. All right. Okay, you got mushu pork. Yeah, you got it. Okay. All, right. all right. Okay, twenty-four seventy-five, oh, please, right yeah, now. Yeah. Oh, God. Uh, I only have two twenties. You got change? Oh, no, I'm not sure. I have to look. Oh. Oh, I look at my money bill. You hold door. Thank you very much. Oh, I'm trying to find my money. I'm trying to find my money. Oh, not happy. Could you please take your shoes off before you stand on my nicest cabinet? I'm sorry, honey. I'm sorry. Maybe we should eat on the TV tonight, okay? Boo. (laughs) And we're back. What? Okay. What the fuck was that? I mean, it had Chris Farley in it. I'll give it that. Well, it's definitely he. He's not named Ching Chang, but it's it's assuredly Ching Chang. Well, he right? works We're... for a different place, which this is adding a disturbing wrinkle to the mythology of Ching Chang. He now works yeah. for a Chinese restaurant where he presumably sells dead chickens to people to eat. Well, I, it was Mushu pork, so maybe this Chinese this time, turned... but not the next time. And, well, I'm thinking maybe Ching Chang turned the you know the pet chicken shop wasn't going well. They decided to go Chinese food, but he he draws the line at, you know, Kung Pao chicken. He will not do that. See, but that would be a funny sketch if they converted it to a Chinese restaurant and there are all these chickens around and somebody goes, yeah, can I get some Szechuan chicken? Well, you don't have no chicken. Yeah, this was a shitty fucking sketch. Manhattan Mobile Park. So I guess the joke is that it's a mobile home park in Manhattan, but I guess, to, you know, pack them all in they're all on their sides so the whole sketch they're just like crawling you know sideways on things but like i maybe i'm questioning the reality because the sketch wasn't funny but if your motorhome is sideways you know just put the table on the side of the mobile home don't don't leave it on the wall right well yeah that's the thing i I, but i guess that's the joke of the sketch i mean the surreality of it the, the just the idea of like them living in this kind of mc escher like i i like that on paper i feel like you could do something with that but they just don't do anything with it other than i did laugh when ching chang fell and it was an obvious dummy i like that too ching chang comes in through the door which is on the top of the the set because the mobile home sideways and then they cut to victoria jackson for just enough time so they can throw a Ching Chang dummy. Which, think about that. They had to manufacture a Ching Chang dummy prop. I wonder if Dana Carvey has that, like he took it with him. Like it's in his house. <laughs> he just like, sits it on his couch. 
<laughs> when guests come over, they're like, you want to sit next to Ching Chang? That's who he bounces off like new impressions. Like, what do you think, Ching Chang doll? Do you think this will work for Master of Disguise? You guys are aware of my most popular SNL recurring character, Ching Chang, as he's wearing the church lady wig still. It's just a sad end for Dana Carvey. It's just like a remake of Psycho, but with a church lady. <laughs> as Norman Bates. Oh. And no, Ching Chang is Norman Bates, and, and the church lady is, is uh, Norma. <laughs> All right, so that is officially the final Ching Chang appearance well, original of the original one. well now was that conan o'brien at the end as the the watchtower guy i i didn't realize it was him until i just pulled up the snl archive i yeah i, I thought like, i recognized it was you barely see him but yeah conan o'brien who was a writer was at this right. time also um so chris farley is the son of victoria jackson and jimmy smith that's kind of fun yeah you know and I, i'm a big jimmy smith's fan i actually like him as an actor but i, I don't know his chemistry with victoria jackson left something to be desired i think oh uh. Well, I remember this episode. Um, Jimmy Smits is one of the worst hosts of Saturday Night Live history. He was just, he was terrible. He like, seems like he's night. too serious an actor to do something like this. Yeah, he was He was not fun at all. This this episode sticked out in my mind from when I watched this season for my blogs as a, as a bad one. I remember not enjoying this one at all. Probably just because at the end of the night, they're like, hey, let's throw in some Ching Chang. Oh, see, I figured at the time you were like, oh, my favorite character, Ching Chang, is back. Hey, Ching Chang, he's back. It's been three seasons, man. I've been waiting for fucking Ching Chang for three long years. I haven't been able to come since. (laughs) All right. So now it's 10 years later. Dana Carvey, he comes back to host the show. And let me look this up, because I'm sure in a Dana Carvey episode... Okay, so he's playing George W. or H.W. Bush. Uh, he plays the church lady. Um, let's see. Uh, okay, so we got George H.W. Bush, the church lady, and he also brings back Ching Chang in the year 2000. Because, like, he had, I know he had, like, the Chopping Broccoli guy. They, I guess, like, they would have had to have Mike Myers come back if they want to do Wayne and Garth, but I don't know. I feel like he had other characters that weren't Mildly racist. feminine heterosexual. Bring him back. <laughs> yes, yes, let's do why that. Why are you bringing Ching Chang? Grumpy old man? Uh, fucking Hans and Franz? Yeah, Derek Stevens? And I don't think it was this episode, but I remember there is one Ching Chang appearance we're missing. It was in a Dana Carvey monologue where he was singing a song about all his recurring characters and he was like, I was the church lady in Wayne and Hans, and I was Ching Chang, but that's racist now, probably. Like, that was the joke of the song. So, like, he acknowledged in that monologue that it was racist. Wait, but that's not from this episode. But I don't think that's from this episode. Let me do a cursory glance here. He's hosted multiple times. Um, it was probably in this same Well, era. I would assume it would have to be after the episode where he brought him back, right? Uh, let's see. The, nope. What? So yeah, wait, in, just to be clear, he acknowledged that this was racist and then did it again anyway. Yes. When Dana Carvey hosted in 1996, his monologue was a collection of his recurring characters and it ended with them all doing a kick line. They like superimposed all of his characters in a big kick line. And I believe Ching Chang was in that kick line. If he wasn't, he was at least referenced in the song. Because I remember the line, I did Ching Chang, but that's racist now, probably. Yeah, no, not, there's no probably about it, Dana Carvey. But <laughs> but just like you do that, like that's racist now, probably. And then, 
like a couple years later, you're like, hey, what about that Ching Chang character? We liked him, right? Four years later, he's like, I think the world's ready for Ching Chang. We've healed enough. It's the year 2000. It's October 21st. We got a big election coming up. The Wallflowers are our musical guest, and I'm doing Ching Chang. <laughs> 9-11 is two, day, two years away. I don't know why I know that, but... I know the future, but only the future that doesn't include Ching Chang being problematic. All right, so 2000, here we go. Ching Chang's <laughs> happily the final appearance song? of fucking Ching Chang. Hi, hello. Hey, wait a minute. Hello to you, and I know you. You are famous millionaire. Yes, that's right. I'm J. Gordon Harrington III, the famous millionaire. <laughs> Say, I hope you can help me. I'm throwing a Halloween fundraiser at my mansion, and I thought it would be funny to dress like a chicken. And I was hoping to use real chicken feathers. Oh, we not sell chicken here. Those are uh, demo chicken. <laughs> yeah, just demonstration chicken. That's very funny. Uh, but seriously, I'm prepared to give you enough money so you could buy anything you ever wanted. Oh, wow. This guy could give me enough money to produce my play on Broadway. But wait, if I sell my chicken, then who's going to be in my play? Did I leave my stove on? Wait a minute, sell my chicken? Am I crazy? I know. Maybe I can tell him about my play. Come on now, I need a decision. Are you going to sell me your chickens? No, I'm not. These chickens are not for plucking. These are chicken actors. That's right, that song in play that I wrote. I not sell you chicken, but if you want, I give you first crack at producing my play. You want me to produce your play, yes. huh? Produce. All right, well, I'm always looking for interesting investments, but first I want to take a look at this play. All right, I, I'm not afraid. I show you scene from play. You ready? Stand back, you're going to joke. But play, play is called the Golden Ribbon, okay? And this is scene here you're going to see. It's a big confrontation between father and son. Shut up over there for a moment. We take you now to working class chicken. Kitchen with chicken. Pops, why you stay up so late? Oh, no reason. Just haunted by my dreams I never got. What? But why you put down me in my dreams? Oh, I guess it's because I never got my dreams. That's okay. I love you. Thank you. Here's a golden ribbon. Thank you. I'm the mother. And curtain. So, what you think, millionaire man? Wow, I've got to say, I think your play is quite terrible. Maybe fake chicken feathers are the way to go. <laughs> Thanks, anyone. Wow. And we're back. <laughs> and we're back for the last time with Ching Chang. I think that was my favorite Ching Chang sketch, if I had to pick a favorite. But not because of Ching Chang, because of Chris Parnell, and... I mean, to be fair, Horatio Sands is also doing a racist Asian stereotype, but I at least found it a little amusing. Yeah, he comes in as Papa Chang, and he is... Yeah, he's Changing it up real good. Um, But we're also finally accepting the reality that Ching Chang uh, does not sell chickens, and it is a burden to his family, because Papa Ching Chang is not happy that all these chickens are still in the store. Gee, father! I look at inventory! At the beginning of the week, we got 20 chickens! Now, at the end of the week, we still have 28 chickens! Uh, Gee, you got to shout chickens! I know, I try, I try, but I tell you, 
chicken make a lot of This is 2000. The last time that they performed the sketch was like, what, the 80s? Or was it? did it go into the 90s? I can't remember. Um, well, the, the Jimmy Smith's episode was 1990, but uh, yeah, the Candace Bergen episode was 87. So yeah, so at least 20 years, if not more, depending on how you count. None of the writers, I assume, in the writer's room were the same, carrying over from that time, from 1990 at least. There might have been a couple. Really? Jim like, Downey, yeah, Jim Downey may have still been around. I guess. I, just, I feel like like he would have had to explain what this was to a whole room full of people. Like, was Tina Fey there by that point? Uh, 2000, I think that was a Tina Fey era. Was she, I don't know if she was head writer yet or just a writer. Like, did any of them go like, hey, no, no, there's no way we can do this. Uh, apparently not. But you're telling me that, like, you know, he Dana Carvey comes in and he's like, I want to do one more Ching Chang. You're telling me Tracy Morgan isn't like, oh, yeah, I love that character. Put me in as the customer. Maybe, but I don't know. I feel like Chris Parnell has a better head on his shoulders. I know, but Chris Parnell is the highlight of this as, as just a famous millionaire. When he walked in, I have expected him to be playing Andrew Lloyd Webber. You know what? I've changed my mind. I will produce your play. What make you change mine? Nothing. I accept. <laughs> Come on. Next up, Broadway. We're going to move on to another classic Dana Carvey character who only appeared twice. Um, but any more thoughts on Ching Chang to kind of close the I book? mean, it's so amazing that there are eight, I mean, seven, six to seven to eight appearances, depending on how you're counting it. A character that is so one, not beyond the racism, just so one note. Like, it's Pat. I feel like there there will be more variation in those sketches if and when we ever get to that. Yeah, no, that's the, the craziest part of it, is that to do Ching Chang so many times, and it's just a nothing character. I mean, I guess now that we've gotten to the end and he finally does get his success by producing a Broadway play of chickens, it comes to something, but... What, what the fuck? Why did they keep doing this? I mean, well, I, again, and the, the the fascinating one is the last one just because of the, the, the separation for it. Because, again, we, we assume, like, hosts, when they, they host the show, they have a lot of broad leeway in selecting sketches. And especially if you're a former cast member, I assume, like, I don't know. Do you think anybody went like, hey, I really like that Ching Chang sketch. Let's try that again. Or did he, did he go, okay, I want to do Ching Chang again? I assume it had- it's the latter. It had to have been Dana Carvey. I don't think anybody's like, hey, remember Ching Chang? Let's bring him back. Unless it's like four in the morning, you're all stoned and you're like, that sounds like a great idea. Well, that's my my other curiosity is for everyone else doing this, is this like ironic, let's make fun of the old racist man? Like, are they doing it, you know, not necessarily earnestly? Oh, I don't think so. I, I didn't see any of that from Chris Parnell, Horatio Sands, or Tracy Morgan in this sketch. If anybody, if I saw any kind of like non-commitment to Ching Chang, it was Dana Carvey himself. There were a couple of these sketches where by the end, it seemed like he knew. Like like there was a couple ones where this sketch was bombing. I think only the Valerie Bertinelli episode, I would say, the audience was enjoying it. But, like, at the end of the Candace Bergen one, it looked like Dana Carvey, like, finally realized, wait a second, I'm singing show tunes in an Asian accent. This might not be good. Yeah, and that's that's the other fascinating thing is, yeah, I don't think this sketch 
was ever successful. You say the Valerie Bertinelli one. Yeah, there were a couple like notes of recognition, but there's almost no laughter in any of these sketches, and yet they keep fucking doing them. Yeah, no, that's crazy. Like, um, I get the cheerleaders. Everybody liked that. I, I didn't, but, like, it, I get, like, people cheered every time they came on. Yeah. So, yeah, do it again. I remember being in high school when the fucking cheerleaders were popular on SNL, and, like, two people got on the morning announcements and were, like, doing the cheerleader bit because it was so popular. Like, but <laughs> do you think there was some fucking... Yes, and that somebody was you. <laughs> you think somebody got on the morning announcements and was like, and now to read the lunch menu, Ching Chang is not going to be chicken. Oh, man. I mean, I. The thing is, it wouldn't have flown there. If you had, if you, SNL fan that you were, were like, I've got this idea for a thing to read the lunch menu and I'm going to do it in the Ching Chang voice, they would have been like, no, we have a better sense of morality than a a mainstream late night show. We're all going to get fired if you, if we let this kid do this. But I saw it on TV last night. Yeah, we're volunteers and this is a school and yeah, we're going to get fired. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you're you're a student. You're going to get fired from school for doing this. <laughs> oh, man. Ching, fucking Ching Chang. But all right. So we're finally done with Ching Chang. Let's cleanse our palates with something more enjoyable. Because I remember enjoying Lyle the Effeminate Heterosexual. Yes, it's probably not PC now, but I think it's comedy heart is in the right place. I don't think it's meant to be offensive. Well, I watched one of these sketches. I actually, this was recommended to me on the YouTube algorithm and I, we were at work and I immediately texted you through our work app thing and they were like, can you fucking believe they let this thing on the air? Wildly effeminate heterosexual? Yes, I can. (laughs) Because, have you heard of Ching Chang? You ain't gonna find that on YouTube. Why did I doubt it? Well, of course they let it on the air. If they just flat out like call him the f word at some point in the sketch, I like I won't be surprised. Uh, it could happen. I don't know. I don't think I've ever seen the first one. I've seen the second one because I did that season for my blogs. But we're going to November eleventh, nineteen eighty nine, season fifteen, hosted by tennis star Chris Everett, uh-huh. and the first appearance of Lyle the effeminate heterosexual. Oh baby. Oh, yeah. Oh, baby, that was good. That was amazing. Like, you just know exactly what I need, you know? I'm just crazy about you. We've got to stop seeing each other, Susan. No, but Lyle, it's so perfect. We just, we got such great chemistry, baby. I'm a married man. And you're a married woman. Isn't your husband getting suspicious? No, no, no. Well, he doesn't suspect a thing, baby, I swear. How could he not? Well, he thinks you're gay. What? That's insane! He's wild. He's effeminate, heterosexual. It's all terribly sexual. Why he behaves that way? He's not gay. He's just wild. He's squishy and it's true. But he's as great as me and probably you. He is effeminate, heterosexual. No sense getting intellectual. Because nobody knows why. He runs like a girl. He runs like a girl. He walks like a girl. Walks like a girl. He's wild. And I tell you, so help me. He's wild. Okay. 
Okay. Apparently my memories of SNL being good is a little hazy. How many times has that been the case? <laughs> and we're back. Um okay, so yeah, the uh, the first Lyle the effeminate heterosexual had me with the theme song, but uh nothing after that. Have they ever done a sketch that like like a too many cooks kind of thing where it like was just a theme song and then the sketch was over? Oh, that would be fun. <laughs> the char- the character with the longest theme song? Yeah. <laughs> it just goes on for six minutes and then it's all right you it's time to go down to the and then the end credits start playing <laughs> and it's just they play the entire theme song again <laughs> uh yeah because uh that's the only thing this had going for it <laughs> lyle is having sex with jan hooks but she doesn't think he's gay well obviously because he's plowing her but everybody else does his son his wife uh, the art teacher at his kid's school tries to hit on him. And that's the joke, is just it's uh, Dana Carvey acting effeminate, but saying butch things. So I liked how it started, you know, where he's like, oh, the big game's on. They're going to kick some ass. And uh, a notable awkward silence when he called the guy a queer. Oh, I didn't even notice that. I feel like the audience lost him on there. He lost them on that. I, I like the little beat where he was reading the TV guide to see what was on after the game. And he's like, oh, Splash, Daryl Hannah, I'd like to get in that fishtail. And then when his wife comes in, he like hides the TV guide like it's porn. Yeah, I, the problem with this sketch for me, I, I, again, I don't think it's unworkable as a premise. But he, it's not just that he's effeminate, but really a heterosexual. He's homophobic. The character. Yeah. He, he should just, he should be like fine. Like, oh, I'm not gay, but like, not like, he shouldn't react like violently. Like, how dare you call me gay? You, you know, uh, yeah, that just rubbed me the wrong way. Well, I think that's the joke is that he's all man, but effeminate. So I think that would kind of ruin the joke if he was cool with homosexuality. I don't know. Well, but it just, it, it ruins the bit because I don't want to like this homophobic character. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's what makes it homophobic, though, because the joke's not. I guess the joke is on gay people, but the joke's mainly on him. No, I'm not even saying the sketch itself is homophobic. I just mean the character. I cannot sympathize or empathize with this character because he is presented as a homophobe. Yeah, I guess. I guess that does throw a little bit of a wrinkle in it. Um, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm and fine I don't know with how this, you fix this... that with with and stay uh, keep the joke. I don't know. I mean, he can be manly and confident in his sexuality, I feel like, right? Yeah, I guess. I mean, I guess it doesn't make a lot of sense now that you break it down. Because <laughs> the homophobia also kind of implies that he probably is gay, because why would he be homophobic if he wasn't, if he was 100% straight? That's true. And maybe if we got eight appearances of Lyle the Effeminate Heterosexual, we'd eventually get to that closure. <laughs> maybe if Dana Carvey hosts in 2030. It'll I mean, back Lyle. that's that's the movie. If we're pitching the Lyle, the effeminate, the heterosexual movie, it's basically in and out, except the realization doesn't come until like the very end where he's just like, I was gay the whole time. And then credits over just still images of him with cocks in his mouth. <laughs> well, that should be the end of every movie. Just Dana Carver with cocks <laughs> in his mouth. I'm pretty sure it wasn't at the ending of Fletch. I remember Inception. It was all about going into people's dreams. And then, why is Dana Carvey have all those cocks in his mouth? Yeah, so I, yeah I was, uh, I did not dig Lyle the effeminate heterosexual like I thought I would. But I remember, okay, I'm going to say this now. Because 
we're gonna the last sketch we're gonna talk about is from season seventeen, which is a I will go out on a limb and say this whole season was good. I covered this season for my blogs. This is like prime time. Dana Carvey, Phil Hartman, Chris Farley. Uh, you got the Jeff Daniels hosting. You got a Rob Morrow episode. I remember liking Susan Day episode. But this episode, hosted by Mary Stewart Masterson, was my favorite of the season. I remember that. I just I liked her. I thought she was a charming host. Uh, the, it had good sketches in it. And I remember, this is the one I remember of going, Lyle the Effeminate Heterosexual, I think that was a good sketch. Like, I would have liked to see them do that more. Okay, I just, I'm going to throw this out here. You've just said that on the record, it's recorded for posterity. We're about to watch this sketch that I'm going to bet is fucking horrible. Yeah, probably. <laughs> No, if you've listened to other episodes where I've said, nah, SNL, that's good. And then we watch an SNL episode and I'm like, oh yeah, this show sucks. I'm out. I'll see it. Two pair. Three jacks, just freedom and weep. You win again, Lyle. You know, I never get tired of looking at these women. <laughs> Check out the ass on page 47. You just want to eat it right off the page. <laughs> Man, look at Ashley Montana. Oh, tell me about it. Count Jugula. One of those is all I need. Woman's so beautiful, it's intimidating. Please, give me five minutes alone with her. She'd be screaming. Well, you can't have Cindy Crawford. She's married to Richard Gere. I heard he's the flamer. <sighs> okay, <laughs> if I've said it once, I've said it a thousand times. Your memory of SNL is faulty, sir. Um... I, okay, it's not good, <laughs> but I liked some of it. This is, the weird thing is, well, one, you're talking about like continuity between sketches, which is dumb in its own right, but he's got a new wife and it's, it's, uh, uh Terry Sweeney, not Terry Julia Sweeney, Sweeney. Uh, Sweeney. <laughs> Julia Sweeney. <laughs> Sorry, I'm so thinking of the, of uh, the yellow face. Now I'm thinking of the black face, uh, Julia Sweeney, rather, I guess he got divorced in the, after the last sketch for cheating on his own first wife. So now he's he's dating basically Pat if she decided to choose one gender. <laughs> well, I like how they uh, they had to redo the theme song. Uh, they it's the same theme song as the first one, except the final image where he kisses his wife. They had to reshoot that, so it's Julia Sweeney. But you're telling me uh, he started a new family because I kind of like that. If if he got sussed out for cheating and then he just maybe he moved to another town, maybe that's the movie. Uh, it's kind of like the stepfather, but, uh, you know, a gay stepfather. Yeah, no, I, I like, and that's, again, going back to the thing, like, he is really gay, and that's the, the ultimate revelation. I feel like making it like a thriller, I, I, that actually sounds like an interesting idea. Like a, like the stepfather meets cruising or something. Yeah. Well, I, I kind of, like, in this sketch's defense, uh, you know, we were talking about the homophobic and how he's, you know, uh, kind of bigoted in the last sketch. I do like in both of these that... Everyone just accepts, like lovingly accepts that this guy's gay. They're just like, wait, aren't what, aren't you gay? And then he's the one who gets upset. And it's not them. They're just like, oh, well, like we weren't even questioning that. And it's it's not a problem either. We're just, you're obviously a gay man, right? Which I thought that was weird that they didn't do that with the, the poker game players. Like they just shoo them out. I would, th I would have thought, again, I'm going because it's basically the same setup as it's Pat. 
something about this person's gender that is misconstrued in a way that causes awkward situations and misunderstandings. But it's just it, it's just like an offensive version of it. like it's Pat. We kind of deconstructed that. Like the fact that she's such like an, an awful person kind of makes it weirdly okay. Yeah. Like like everybody's obsessed with her, but it's not. I don't know. the The line is crossed here in a way that it's not crossed with it's Pat. It, it's Pat. There's a secondary joke on top of the problematic areas this one's just it's just set up punchline the setup is someone thinks he's gay and the punchline is him going what and that's it yeah pretty and, and it's just I, I feel like i i need more than this it's, it's interesting as an artifact more so than i guess it's interesting in a different way like ching chang is interesting because it's like the, the even in the 80s like they're still doing this whereas this i kind of at least understand it in context in the 90s we were still kind of grappling with like how do we deal with you know homosexuality and and gender as a thing so like the idea that you would come up with this kind of sketch makes sense in a way that ching chang just makes no fucking sense to me yeah no ching chang i think was always offensive no matter what era you were living in but in the early 90s late 80s this seems right at home with any other gay material that was on a comedy show i look at this in the same way i look at like chasing amy where it's like it doesn't hold up now in terms of our understanding of like lesbians and bisexuality but like at the time it was like a good faith effort from like straight guy to like figure out what lesbians were like (laughs) Like, I feel like this is that, but but in the context of a comedy show. Yeah, and I mean, they handle it pretty poorly. But in their defense, again, I like how even his wife is like, well, you're gay, aren't you? <laughs> like, I wish th- there's more areas to explore with this character, which is why I think I would almost enjoy a Lyle, the effeminate heterosexual movie. Um, but I... Yeah, I wish when, like, Tim Meadows came in as the singing telegram, uh, he's a male stripper, and he rips off all his clothes and Lyle gets uncomfortable. Knowing that this is the last sketch of Lyle the effeminate heterosexual that we get, I kind of wish they would have gone for the man-on-man kiss, you know? Like, maybe he loses control and then he breaks into it and he's like, what? Yeah, that would have worked. Or, you know, instead of having Julia Sweeney be the wife, cast a man and drag, like have like, you know, Rob Schneider play that part. Oh, that would have been good. And then he's like, but I thought you were gay. And he's like, what? Yeah. You've been having sex with me. I'm a man. And he's like, Oh, well, that would have been a good tag. Okay. Here's the, here's my pitch for the movie. It's a Ching Chang Lyle crossover. Ching Chang wants to achieve his dream of his chicken, uh, musical, uh, on Broadway. Lyle is like the Bob Fosse style direct, obviously gay director, but, you know, trying to enforce his manliness. And through the, the development of this play, Ching Chang, uh, you know, learns about being like an immigrant in the, in the American experience. And Lyle realizes that he's that he's gay. Yeah, he's got to realize he's gay. But uh, also, uh, I thought it was weird that. Well, first, I thought it was weird. Who brings their mailman into the, the living room? I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it, well, if it's Rob Schneider, I feel like he's, you know, he's right at home. I just like how that's the first beat of the sketch. I'm like, wait a minute, what fucking reality are we in? Because Rob Schneider's a mailman just in their living room. Like, here's your mail, Mr. Bill. Well, it's the reality of not wanting to build a second set. <laughs> I know. It's like, well, we we don't want to film this on the porch. I also thought it was interesting that they're uh, at the poker game. They're all drinking Sharp's beer, uh, which is a non-alcoholic beer. 
that's an interesting dimension to it. Like, what if he's like a recovering alcoholic and like he only gets gay when he drinks? Oh, yeah. That's why he doesn't drink anymore, because last time he drank, he ended up in bed with a dude. Yeah, he woke up in bed with the the fucking making copies guy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. That's all right. So two for two. Yeah, I did not. uh, I did not like either of those. Yeah, this I don't think it was a failed experiment in terms of the format. I thought this was an interesting look down a specific avenue of SNL history. And I'm I'm very much prepared to do it again. I don't know if you want to do it as the next episode or do maybe go back to a traditional episode and maybe do it sometime later. But uh let's maybe choose something that isn't as, as bad next yeah, time. Yeah, well I I think we'd be hard pressed to find someone well, I guess Mike Myers probably. I was gonna say I think we're hard pressed to find someone with more offensive recurring characters in well, their Billy Crystal. Dana Carvey. Uh, not recurring though, unless you want to count impressions like Sammy I see. Davis I would Jr. count Sammy Davis Jr. as a recurring character. I mean, I, I wouldn't be uh, upset with watching every Sammy Davis Jr. Uh, I'm. I'm not. I'm not prepared mentally prepared for that to be our next one. All right. Well, let's just out of curiosity, let's see. Cast Billy Crystal impressions. We have Doctor Hang as Nior. We have Hervé Villachez. We have. Uh, Muhammad Ali, Prince, and Sammy Davis Jr. Ten impressions. One, two, three, four. Half of his impressions are people of different races. All right. So what do you want to do? Uh, We're on to our segment of what the fuck do we do next week? Well, let's go ahead and roll another name and we'll decide what we want to do with that name. I have randomly rolled number 129, which on my spreadsheet that correlates to Kevin Nealon. All right. Yeah. I mean, I feel like there, we could probably find a Kevin Nealon movie. So what do we got? All I Want for Christmas starring... Is that Jonathan Taylor Thomas? I think you're thinking of Home for Christmas. Oh, this is the Le- Leslie Nielsen. Yeah, this is Leslie Nielsen as Santa Claus. No. Not interested in that. Uh, Joe Dirt? I don't even think that's really a bad movie. No. I mean, it's not, not a good movie. Joe but... Dirt. <laughs> I was going to say we we definitely can do this. this. (laughs) It's a talking dog movie. It's called Good Boy. And uh, it's an intergalactic dog pilot from Sirius, the dog star, visits Earth to verify the rumors that dogs have failed to take over the planet. That's the IMDb summary, and I I am already loving it. I know. You're thinking doggone. It's got Matthew Broderick in it and Molly Shannon. It's got two SNL people already. I am thinking doggone. Um... It's got two SNL cast members in it. Matthew Broderick as the voice of the dog. Oh, that's going to be the most lifeless voiceover performance you've ever heard. You just keep telling me reasons to watch this movie. <laughs> I was going to say, Matthew Broderick is wooden when a camera's on him. When he's in a voiceover booth, he's got to be abysmal. I'm not interested in Get Smart, really. I'm not interested. In, not, not when I got Good um, Boy to go back to. Just go with it. The only part of this movie I remember is Dave Matthews picks up a coconut with his asshole. <laughs> Well, um, and I noticed you didn't close the tab immediately. <laughs> nope. Uh, all right, so is it fucking good boy, I guess? I mean, I know. I know our history with talking dog movies is not the greatest, but I just feel like it's about do- do- all the dogs on planet Earth are aliens who tried to take over the Earth but didn't for some reason. Yeah, and 
if memory serves me correct, Good Boy has come up before on the podcast because it was along with Daddy Daycare nominated for a Kids Choice Awards for favorite fart in a movie. <laughs> I mean, we've already established Mr. Skids on the podcast, so I feel like we owe it to that new bit. So we know we're getting a fart. All right. It's an, not just a fart, but an award-winning fart. <laughs> an award-nominated fart. Okay, well, I mean, it's an honor just to be nominated. (laughs) All right, is Good Boy on? Yes, it is. It is. All right, so I guess the gods have made up their mind. Stay tuned for another episode where we question the existential nature of the podcast and whether we should even continue. Um, All right, so from 2003... Good Boy, starring a little kid, a dog, Matthew Broderick's voice, Kevin Nealon, Molly Shannon. The thing is, your hatred of talking dog movies, which isn't even real because you fucking love those shitty-ass Airbud movies. You know what I watched last night with the missus? I, I know. She Santa texted Paws me. <laughs> she did. And I, That's right. <laughs> I got this fucking text while I'm at work of you, a video of you guys watching fucking Christmas Buddies or whatever the fuck it is. And yeah, I, why? Why? Why is that on my phone? Oh, we found it on, uh, it was, I think it was on HBO Max. <laughs> so we were looking for something to watch last night, so we watched Santa Paws 2. <laughs> and I don't respond to any of those texts, because, like, I don't want to encourage her. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, okay. Good boy from 2003. No, I, I w- was on the record many times that I love crappy talking dog movies, but yeah, that... Dog Gone with Kevin Farley just uh, just ruined my appreciation for him. Good boy, this is your mission. Well, to Win be fair, Dog Gone was not a talking dog movie. It was a regular dog. That's true. And you, and you turned off the movie before the best scene in the film. That's true. All right. So, I mean, maybe it's my fault. We picked a dog movie where the dog doesn't talk, and I didn't finish it. And also, the insurrection was the day before we watched it. So it was a trifecta of bad ideas. I think that's all our business on the shed. (laughs) That's all we got on top of the shed this week. (laughs) Stay tuned for a lot of profanity next week. And get off the shed. Get off the shed. The sun will come out tomorrow. Bet your bottom dollar that tomorrow there'll be chicken. Tomorrow, tomorrow, Chicken McLeod's a half head. Tomorrow, you're always a chicken away. <laughs> <laughs>